You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. The time has come. I like that. The time is now for Victoria Stilwell's Positively Podcast. She's a world-renowned dog trainer. You've seen enough dogs today, have you? She's the host of It's Me or the Dog. I'm coming to train you. Along with co-host Holly Ferfer. You don't play around with that name, do you? I am a fan of sweaty balls. She's Victoria Stilwell, and she's ready, ready to go. go. This is a lovely way to start the day. You get the busy bee. I need to trim her whiskers. I see some poo here. I feel a little bit better now because I'm the only one who usually feels stupid during the podcast. Now, let's head to the studio and get this Positively Podcast started. And here we are again. Hello, welcome back. Welcome back. It's so good to be with you, Holly, again. Happy Animal Shelter Appreciation Week. It is. For those who don't know what it is, explain. Well, it's really appreciating everybody who takes the time to work or volunteer at a shelter. And you know all about compassion fatigue. You know what that's like when... You see so much pain and you see so many abandoned animals and you have to deal with animals that have been rejected and that have been abandoned and strays and pick them up and take them in and Mm. then uh, give them medical support and behavioral support and hope they get adopted. And there's a lot of compassion fatigue, a lot of burnout with that. But there's the good part of it, too, that you're rescuing lives. Yeah. So, you know, it's just appreciating all those people who work at shelters and all the amazing stuff that they do. I have a good friend, Teresa Schaefer, who um, works at a shelter, and she volunteers there, I should say, and she's always posting pictures on Facebook and the sweetest dogs, and she works with them, and I always think, wow, because I tried to volunteer at a shelter once, you know, and um, actually, um, a friend of mine who is a therapist told me that I wasn't really, should really not do it, because it was like, I would come home every night, and I would cry, I'd be hysterical, I'd want to adopt everything, and it was just like, honestly, I couldn't function. So I have the utmost respect for everybody who does that. I, I support in other ways financially and, you know, with events and stuff. But it's just so hard, you know, and they, it's a hard job. It is a hard job. I've volunteered in rescue shelters for about the last 20 years Ugh. and all kinds and all different places. I mean, to rescue shelters and from Hong Kong to the United States, to England, to Greece, to um, all around Europe and yeah, I mean, it's a tough job. It really is. It's a tough job. And for those people who are dedicated and do it day in, day out, I have such respect for them. Oh, my gosh, they're angels. They are angels. They are angels. So, anyway, we appreciate you. Thank you for yes. all of those people out there who do rescue. Thank you, because I have attachment issues. It never goes well. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so um, it's been a while since we've been hanging out. And um, we look the same. Exactly the same. <laughs> of course we do. There's no more wrinkles. There's no more, you know, we're yeah. just, we're absolutely we're I've perfect. I've sleep, yes. Uh, so, what have you been doing? You have been, like, everywhere doing everything. Uh, you've crossed the world a couple well, times. Well, hello, you going to Australia and New Zealand and all of these amazing places. Yeah, that was fun. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> if you haven't been to New Zealand, bucket list that. It is oh, yeah. probably the most... Every day we'd wake up and look at open the shades and I'd go... Is that a movie set? And I would stare and wait for them to change the scenery. Like, honest to goodness, it's exactly what you picture and it's exactly what you think. But it's the most incredible, like, weirdest because it's so perfect. It's mm. amazing. And the people are very nice. Mm. Wow, really nice people? Here's the thing I don't understand. Oh, yeah, they, can't, they couldn't be nicer. I guess because it's a long way to go. Maybe a lot of people don't go see them. It's so far. 
But here's what I don't understand. There seems to be a little bit of a rivalry between the New Zealanders and the Australians. And I get that. But then it's like, hey, you guys are in the middle of nowhere and you only got each other. So what? You need to get along. I think it's the same, you know, when somebody meets a, an Australian and says, oh, you from New Zealand. And normally it's people who meet New Zealanders and say, oh, you're Australian. Yeah, yeah. And they do that with me when they say, oh, are you, um, are you Australian? <laughs> <laughs> no, mate, I'm not. I'm British. <laughs> and I'm definitely not um, from New Zealand. But, um, yeah, so I can understand that kind of rivalry. I guess so. But I'm just thinking, like, you know, you're in this alone out here, <laughs> like in the middle of nowhere. Start to get along. But anyway, it was beautiful and travels have been fun. But you've been, you went back to England. Yes, I have. I've done quite a bit of traveling. But yes, I, we, we, the Victoria Stowell Academy launched at the beginning of the year. And yeah, thank you. It's been really, truly amazing. We've had three classes this year. Great students in each in each class, and um, I'd like to announce on here my course dates for next year. Oh, 2017. If you're interested in becoming a dog trainer, it's a six-month course. You come to Atlanta to study with me, or we do one in the UK mm-hmm. where we're near Manchester, and um, we do two in the US and one in the UK. And you come and you do a five-day intensive So you meet your fellow students and you do five day of theory and also working with dogs. And we've got great faculty. And then you go away for 60 days and work with a mentor that we find in your area. And you do a lot of practical stuff, following them, getting to know what they they do. And then you come back to us for another eight-day intensive where you work with more dogs, more hands-on stuff, more theory, more really, really cool stuff. And then you go away again for 90 days to work with your mentor and then you take the exam. Wow, so that's it is, a major program. It is a major program, and it took us five years to develop. Mm. And uh, I think we've got it. I think we've got it really, really good because we've got that wonderful mixture of practical and also classroom time. Um, but we've got that. We're teaching people not just to be great dog trainers. We're teaching people to be great people, people too, mm-hmm. and to how to really relate and understand and talk with clients. And we're also giving them big business skills as well mm. the skill to market their own business for their marketing purposes we're really giving them the full thing because you know now there there's a lot of competition yeah. anybody can set themselves up and call themselves a dog trainer because it's unregulated uh, profession it is mm. very scary so we're saying look there are people out there now that you can can call and go okay they're a v they're a vspdt which is a victoria store positive dog trainer that's different they're not vsa graduates but they are seasoned dog trainers they've been out there for a long time and they just train under the positively brand as well and you've got the vsa graduates Mm -hmm. that we know that they've gone through this program they use the right methods they're not as seasoned as the vspdts but they'll get there one day and they're you know they they're they're learning in the right way so i'm very excited so these are the court dates that wasn't very good (laughs) the course dates the start date is march the 1st 2017 and that's the one in Atlanta? That's the one here in Atlanta. And then um, the intensive dates that you'd uh, come to Atlanta is March the 15th to the 19th. Mm-hmm. And then the field study days, um, March the 20th to May the 16th. And then you've got another intensive May the 17th to the 24th. And then field training dates are May the 25th to August the 22nd. And then we've got our final assessment weeks, August the 23rd to the 31st. So... Um, and and that is open enrollment now, so you can start enrolling. Then we've got June to December 2017 in the UK, and then um, 
And if you go on vsdogtrainingacademy.com and look at course dates, you'll see all the dates here. And then our second class in Atlanta is going to be October 2017, and you finish in April 2018. Wow. So those are our courses for next That's year. Amazing. How many students can enroll? How many at one time? We like about 20. <clears throat> Oh, it's great. So it's small and yes. it's a oh, yeah, 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 very individualized. You really do. Attention. I mean, you learn with me. We have great <clears throat> faculty. We have Lisa and Brad Wagner, um, wonderful, amazing trainers. Mm. And we have psychologists, clinical psychologists, Paula Bloom, of I course. She's I been on it. our podcasts a lot. And we've got Nicole Smith, who does a lot of great um, marketing strategy and business strategy. And Alex Andes, who works with us. Some of you have heard her on this podcast. She does a lot of social media stuff. So we've really got a very, a highly skilled faculty. If you want to become a dog trainer, this is the course to do. And I'd say even if it wasn't my course. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I would, sometime when I have time, when I'm retired, I'm going to do it. Yeah, would you? But, oh, absolutely. But you know, it is really important because I got to tell you, I have uh, many friends who uh, over the past year or two have adopted dogs and, you know, puppies. And, you know, a lot of times they're, they call me up all frustrated because, oh, you know, Lucky ate this and then this and then whatever. And I said, well, you know, they need to be trained. They were trained. I had a trainer come in here. And, well, okay, what kind of trainer, what kind of background? And then you find out that this person is a quote-unquote trainer. They call themselves a trainer, and they charged you $150 to come in for three hours to teach you how to teach your dog, which is not right. And then you didn't keep it up, and you thought, you know, again and again. And then, okay, well, now I'm sending him to this, you know, um, pet store to get trained. I'm like, well, did you do research to find out who the trainers are? Are they accredited? Are they, you know, but people don't. I think, my gosh, like, you know, if I want to buy new bed sheets, I do research on the linen count and, mm-hmm. you know, like what, and is it soft or whatever? I'll go to the store and fill it. You do more research or looking for an airfare to get the best price to go to my, then your dog. Mm-hmm. So I think it's mm-hmm. so important. I think it's great because then I could just say, listen, go here. Don't even waste your money on the other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, I'm, I'm, proud of what we're doing and I'm proud of the people that train in the same way as we do you know have that great philosophy so um we're just gonna go from strength to strength I think that is so cool mm-hmm. I love it I want to come watch one can I come be a yes, special guest absolutely okay, of course good. you can I'm in. Um, but I also want to talk to you very about something very important you know I work with police dogs and with yes. the police and that that's a that I love that work and I love the officers that I work with and I have some great friends not only here in the United States but also in the UK as well and I actually just spoke at a working dog conference which is um, a lot of police dog uh, handlers come there too mm-hmm. it's called impact uh-huh. and we yeah it's the second year of the conference really well attended about 200 wow. law enforcement and uh, military and other working dog people it was it was really great and so um i was the guest speaker there and what what's the theme of it why did well, it the come theme and of gather it is is education <laughs> but moving the dial towards me humane handling of police mm, dogs too okay and britain is much further ahead than other countries like the United States in the way that they handle their dogs. Like, for example, um, in shock collars, you're not allowed to have a shock collar on a police dog or a prong collar. That. I love that. Or, and some, or some departments don't allow even a choke chain. Mm. So, you know, they are very, very forward thinking, whereas in the United States, it's, it is a free-for-all. I mean, yeah. it, is, it is pretty difficult. 
um, and the training methods are very harsh. And impact is basically saying, look, we're not judging you what what you're doing, but come along and learn to see that you can do it in a in in a way that actually is is really effective. You get a great dog; it deepens the relationship between you, so your dog's going to listen to you more, and your dogs are more emotionally stable, which is very important for a dog that's out in the community Mm -hmm. working your streets. So who's under a lot of stress yes, and anxiety like exactly. you are. Yeah. When, you know, not when they're working, mm-hmm. when they're training, it's more fun. It's but more, when they're working, when yeah. they're working. Yeah, there's some really stressful situations. So I've met a lot of people from there and police dogs are very, very dear to my heart mm-hmm. as their handlers are too, male and female. And um, the last about a month ago, a, a lovely police officer called PC David Wardle, and his police dog were apprehending mm. a suspect who was believed to have um, held up a taxi. Mm-hmm. And Finn was, the the police officer was stabbed and Finn, the dog, was stabbed very mm-hmm. badly mm-hmm. in the head and the chest and nearly lost his life. Fortunately, thanks to the amazing veterinarians, he survived. Mm. He is recovering. But Finn's law started because you know what? Even though the man that they finally apprehended, who was a 16-year-old boy, by the way, mm. um, got assaulting a police officer, him harming Finn and nearly killing Finn, he gets criminal damage because dogs are just seen as property. Mm. It's like a car. It's not like a, an attempted murder or... No, no, yeah. or assault. It is, it is criminal damage because it's a possession. Mm-hmm. That's got to change. Mm-hmm. We're saying that's not acceptable anymore. Sorry, and and so anyway, and more Finn's than just law, property. It's more than just property. Which I wish so, most people would realize who chain dogs outside, but that's a whole other topic. That's yes. a whole. That's a whole. But it's. But it is. But you at know, least we're is, changing our thought and the way yes. we think about a living being like a dog. Yes, and this is you know they're sentient beings, and so um, a petition was started, mm-hmm. and a petition in England called Finn's Law give the same status to police dogs and horses as you would give officers. It's great because you know what? They're putting their lives at risk to protect us. You bet. Now, um, we need 100,000 signatures in okay. order for it, for the petition, mm-hmm. um, for in order for the petition to be discussed in Parliament. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Why? They got 100,000 signatures within a couple of weeks. Oh, my gosh. Yours truly mm-hmm. got on a Facebook Live <laughs> again and again and again. Thank you. And myself with wonderful actor Peter Egan from Downton Abbey. Mm-hmm. He plays Shrimpy mm-hmm. and um, from Downton Abbey and a lot of other great animal, animal advocates like Mark Abraham, who does Pup Aid in the UK, um, got on board, started retweeting and tweeting and getting their followers to sign. And so the petition is now over 120,000 signatures. It is now being debated in Parliament on Monday, the 14th of November at 4.30 in Westminster Hall. Hmm. So not in the Parliament place, but in Westminster Hall, which is right next to Parliament. And um, we are wanting to, you know, it's getting heard. Great. It's And there's a lot of public pressure now. It's made all the papers. It's a big deal. What is the what is the law here in the state? Well, it depends on different um, states, state so by state, state and federal. city by city, mm-hmm. but and county by county. But um, let's say, for example, in Georgia here, it is animals are still considered property here too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, police dogs are. Mm-hmm. So uh, it would be really difficult to prosecute somebody for hurting a police dog here. Um, but in other states, it's, it's, it is, it's a criminal offense. It's a, it's a felony. So here it's a misdemeanor in Georgia, in the state of Georgia, but, um, or in Gwinnett County, I should say. And in other places and in other states, 
it is a felony. And that's what it should be in mm-hmm. every city, every county, in every state. Well, we need stronger animal cruelty laws here. Of course. In, in the states anyway. But And I know there's states' rights and then there's federal laws. But, you know, that's something that should be, I mean, protected, especially you know, working dogs like that, police dogs. You bet. And um, so if you want to know more about Finn's Law, mm-hmm. you can Google, just Google it, and then you'll see the petition there. It's a parliament petition. So carry on signing it, because the more signatures we have, the better. Um, and then if you just go hashtag Finn's Law, then you'll be able to find it on Twitter. It's at Finn's Law on Twitter and on Facebook. And uh, yeah, please, please support us. I love it. And I love when we start the show with positive news and positive energy. It's going to be a great season. Hey, you got something on your mind? What are you, a wizard, a genius? How do they make a miniature? I mean, is there some way, some process they they physically miniaturize the dog? Or is it a puppy? Or what, what the devil is going on? That's a really good question. I've got my work cut out for me here. Next time you want to know something, can you repeat the question? Why don't you ask Victoria? She's the expert with this kind of stuff, you know. You obviously don't know my dog. Just ask Victoria. Ask Victoria is sponsored by our good friends at Zooks. For over 20 years, Zooks has been making healthy, natural dog treats that energize and entice your dogs. And they continue to innovate with a new line of nutritious food launched this year. Now, all of Zook's treats and food choices are, thankfully, free of harsh additives, preservatives, and common allergens like wheat, corn, and soy. And I think the reason why my dogs love them so much is because they're made with the best, wholesome, nutrient-rich ingredients that nature has to offer. Zook's provides dogs the fuel they need to enjoy adventures and embrace training time. If you want to learn more, go to zooks.com. All right. Uh, let's start with Marcus in British Columbia. Oh, I'd love to go to British Columbia. You've never been? No, never. Are you kidding me? No. Victoria, and you've never been to Vancouver. Oh, wait a second. I have had a night in Vancouver, but that's it. So it's not really going Sounds there. Sounds like a bad film. You know, that does actually <laughs> A night in Vancouver. Ooh. A bad, yeah, I've had a night in Vancouver. Yeah. No, uh, um, it was on our way to Hong Kong, so... Um, let me tell you, you need to go to Victoria. Victoria needs to go to Victoria. I'd love to. The, the Bouchard Gardens there are unbelievable. Go, go in the spring. Like, it is okay. just whatever. Okay, we've gotten off track here. Let's okay. just talk to you about questions. So, Marcus, who is in the beautiful place of British Columbia, says uh, he has a little Lassapu. He's two years old. He doesn't respond to basic commands all of the time. And if the front door opens, he will run out. And if I call him, he doesn't come back. He won't even come towards me when I call him in the house. How can I get more control over him? Okay. Mm. I think he needs to look at it a different way. Uh, Not so much as how can I get control but how can I teach this dog to listen to me? Mm-hmm. How can I make this dog want to listen to me? How can I teach him and set him up for success so he doesn't run outside the mm-hmm. door? And I think it is. I think basically when you kind of change your attitude and you sort of see it from a different perspective, as in I want him to obey my commands, as in actually, no, I want to teach him to listen to me then you're going to be more successful. So first thing to do, uh, relationship building. When you build a relationship and everything wonderful comes from you, you feed the good food, you know, mm-hmm. you take for the fun walks, you play the fun games, then dogs are more likely to gravitate towards you. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
So start doing that. Start concentrating on relationship building. And then you can also start to work on some impulse control. Mm. So do sit and stay or sit and wait, whatever you want to call it, at the door. As you begin to open the door a little wider, a little wider, and the dog has to sit and stay. And then if it does, it gets a food reward or it gets a game or something. Um, and so that the dog doesn't go out of the door when you're there opening the door. Because if you just leave the door open, of course, dogs are going to go outside. Mm-hmm. It's just what they want to do. If you take your dog out for more walks and get them to experience outside more, then they're less likely to run out of the door to experience outside. Mm-hmm. And if you train a great recall and make yourself brilliant to come back to, then you're kind of tackling all of those issues and you're just making life easier for you and life easier for your dog. So change the way you view it. Work on those few things. Um, you can find out a lot of these this information about... Um, Oh my God, we haven't even talked about, talked about my new book. We'll do that in the next podcast, but okay. the secret language of dogs. Mm-hmm. You'll find out some information about that and also recall, um, in my other book, Train Your Dog Positively. And it's me or the dog, how to have the perfect pet. So we talk a lot about different ways to relationship build and teach different cues. And when you do that sort of recall, those training exercises, if somebody doesn't have a fenced-in yard or anything? Should you do it inside, um, or do you want to take them out and leash them and do it, or how do you do it? Yeah, you do it inside first to get them really comfortable coming to you, and then you start doing it outside. But with Um, a leash if you don't have a fenced-in area? Yes, we call it a long line. And if you want to go to positivity.com forward slash shop, we will have long lives for sale. And um, they're coming in very shortly. And these these are like 15-feet leashes. Mm that you put on your dog you also get 30 feet leashes as well but um, you put on your dog and you practice recall so it allows your dog to have a certain amount of freedom but then when you call your dog back to you um, you can kind of reel them in don't pull them in but reel them in and um, make yourself exciting kind of run off in the other direction so the dog has to chase you give your dog something wonderful when it actually comes back to you and that kind of stuff so yes but don't just let the dog out in the front yard with no fence and think that the dog is going to listen to you right away because you've got to build it up. Right, even if you've done it inside because there's too many distractions. Like, yeah. think about it, like, woohoo, you know, it was great inside the living room because there was nothing going on, but then all of a sudden, look at it, it's a cat. It's yeah. A, awesome. Okay, um, let's do, let's see, let's find another question here. How about, this one I can totally relate to. This is Kathleen in Arizona, and she has a Papillon mix, which was a rescue dog. She says, when I'm, when at home, he's the sweetest little guy that is well-behaved, but when I take him on walks and he sees another dog, he makes the sound like he's screaming. Then he lunges at them with aggression and stays fixated long after they're gone. If it's a person, usually a man or a boy, he does aggressive lunging and barking. If I touch him when he's doing this, he turns and bites me, which has made things worse because now I get anxiety and I don't know what to do about it. Oh my gosh, poor thing. I totally can understand because I've got a a very reactive dog, as you know. Yeah, that's that I, I really feel for them. I totally feel for them. I completely understand. Um, You know, my Sadie was reactive too. Jasmine was reactive as well. And so I get it. They, they not bite us. They don't turn around and bite me, but Mm -hmm. that's called redirection. And Mm -hmm. she needs to call in a trainer. Mm -hmm. Basically that's, that's, that's the number one thing because you're not going to be able to fix this by yourself. I can tell you that right now. Right. But you've got to find out why, why is the dog doing it? Is it because the dog, really just kind of fearful doesn't mm-hmm. want the dog in its space 
Or is it because the dog's just frustrated, wants to go say hi to the other dog, but is just really frustrated. Mm -hmm. And so then, and frustration can cause that real, like, irritation and anger. Mm -hmm. And then the dog turns around um, and because, you know, you're trying to stop it and the dog turns around and nails you. It's like a person when someone's upset and then you say, what's wrong? What's wrong? And they snap at you even though you're not the person they're mad at. That's it. So... First of all, I would say find a trainer. Go to positive.com forward slash trainers. Hopefully, you'll be able to find a trainer in your area. If not, then go to uh, Pet Professional Guild, PPG. Hopefully, there'll be a trainer in your area too. And uh, ask for a qualified trainer, um, somebody that deals with aggression or go see a veterinary behaviorist. But you really want somebody to work with you out on walks. Mm-hmm. And um, I love Grisha Stewart has um, this called Behavioral Adjustment Training. And it's a great book and it's it's BAT 2.0. And she has some really great protocols of working with reactive dogs. So I would absolutely say if you can go to a seminar of Grisha's, go. But um, you have to prevent this from happening. Mm-hmm. And you don't want the dog. You see, when the dog is reacting, the dog is not in a frame of mind mm-hmm. where it can think at all. Mm-hmm. So it's just going to continue to react. Mm-hmm. And um, you have to get the dog's attention before it reacts. Right. Because when it reacts, it's too late. Just got to turn around, get the hell out of there. Mm-hmm. So find yourself a trainer. Yeah. And Kathleen, um, I can tell you, I've been through this. I still go through it with my dog and it does get better. I can take my dog on walks. It's just a learning. And it used to be, mm-hmm. I used to dread taking him for a walk. He's the sweetest dog in the world. But when you just take him out and he's, you know, 75, 80 pounds, he's a big black and tan coonhound. And um, I would dread it. And I knew that he knew my anxiety and it was just a, a horrible experience altogether. But I did exactly what you said. I got one of your trainers, Kathy Bruce, and she's terrific yeah, and she's she helped us a lot and you've helped us. And it's, you know, I mean, it's not fixed because I think whatever's going on in his mind is just, but at least now we avoid it and I know how to stop it before it starts mm-hmm. and I know how to, and now we have pleasant walks and there's no anxiety. We see that's, that's it. You know, once a dog has got such a habit of behavior, and has lunged for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, when they're stressed, they'll always return to their default behavior. It's like mm-hmm. humans. But with you, you know, when you can show the dog there's a different way to behave, and you do it in a positive way, mm-hmm. then that dog is actually easier to make that for that dog to make that choice not to do it. Mm-hmm. And um, and then you're there to guide them, and it and it works. It takes a lot of work to begin with, but then it works for the long term. Yeah. That's what we're trying to change. We do. You know, when I take him now, there's times where I'll see another somebody walking another dog and I think, okay, and I know to hold him back. So, And there's been times where I'll hold him back. He'll see the other dog and I make sure to distract him or I pet him and talk great. And, you know, it's okay. It's all right. And I'm there with him because I think he's fearful. Mm. And then the other dog goes away. And I can't tell you, you know, half the time, more than sometimes more than half the time, it's success. And mm-hmm. he just looks at the dog and he looks at the dog. He's on guard, but he's not barking. He's not lunging. And then we go, okay, great. And then we get to run and have fun. And you know what I yeah. mean? Like immediately, as soon as that dog's out of his eyesight, it's a totally different walk. Mm-hmm. So it does work. Yeah. So hang good. in there, Kathleen. It'll be okay. I promise. Um, okay. Let's talk about this dog. This is Scarlet in London. First of all, love the name Scarlet. Um, she says, I've taken on a lovely, obedient gun dog. A gun dog. Wow. Is gun that- dog as in, um, you know, it could be a pointer or a Weimaraner. Or oh, a, I see. Yeah, a dog that um, hunts like and it. Okay. retrieves birds and things like uh, that. Yeah. But she's a puller 
as she's always been off leash, I guess, because she's one of those dogs. They say, go get it. The last five days, every time we're out, I make sure that when she pulls, I stop dead. We practice heel with treats inside and down the street. It doesn't keep her focused outside. She has improved a lot, but she has no awareness of the lead. She's all over the place and braces herself for pulling in response to lead communication. Are we expecting too much after a few days, or are we doing something wrong? Well, if it's only be a few days, I think you've got to give them time. You've got to mm-hmm. teach them how to walk on the lead, and there are various protocols of doing that. You know, when the dog pulls, you just walk off in the other direction and say, let's go, and then when the dog pulls in that direction, then you turn around and walk off in the other direction, and after a while, you become become so unpredictable that the dog has no choice but to follow you mm. and go okay I mean and it works actually really really well but um, you try that with people you can also help it by putting on a front clipped harness chest led harness and I've got my new positively no pull harnesses and um, they have two rings on the front chest uh-huh. most harnesses that are chest led harnesses have one ring on the front but what happens is there's natural play in all harnesses right with the material when the dog really pulls that center ring pulls around and so you're actually losing that no pull action because the center of gravity is the center of the dog's chest oh, yeah. now when the leash is attached to the center of that chest um to, to the harness the dog can't pull but because the harnesses have play in them and when the dog does pull that ring comes round mm-hmm. now it's not in the center of the chest anymore Mm-mm. my harness is different it's got two rings in the front mm-hmm. either side of the center of the chest so if you're walking your dog on the left hand side of you you connect to the far left ring oh. and so when the dog pulls the ring comes to the center mm-hmm. and then if you're walking the dog on your right you connect the to leash the right. to the far right mm-hmm. so if the dog pulls that far right loop comes to the center so now you haven't lost that you've still got the natural play in the harness but now you're working with the harness and now that you haven't lost that no pull action that makes by sense. that ring coming off the center of the chest is it an, a natural sort of instinct for dogs to pull because i know when i put my harnesses on the dogs to walk them they're not pullers really um you know they've got just a regular harness but they they you could tell though sometimes they're like okay let's go and i feel a little bit more of them going forward than yeah, if it was re- on the neck. it's kind of reinforcing for them mm-hmm. it is reinforcing these and i think a lot of dogs kind of like it and you know I mean, they, they get to where they want to go, so you, you're reinforcing their pulling by doing that. So th- I think the positively no-pull harness, the reason why I like it is because it does pre- take pressure off the sensitive neck. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think you should rely on anything to stop your dog from pulling. Mm-hmm. I think you should teach your dog to stop from pulling. Right. But um, this certainly can help you. Perfect. Well, now we know. Let's jump right into the Let's Embarrass and Humiliate Holly segment. Open your notebook, sharpen your pencil, and get ready. You're about to attend Victoria's Animal Academy. Well, since we haven't done this in a while and you just schooled us with Ask Vic, it's my time to ask you some questions. Wait a second, the tables are turned here because you normally I normally ask you questions. I know, and I I normally end up looking like an idiot. All right, so, here we go, far away. And here we go. And now to you. And now these are animal, they're not dog. I stayed okay. purposely away from dog. So okay. let's see how you do I, with I probably will animals. not do very well. Well, it's okay. And um trust me, I didn't know any of these anyway either. So, well not many. Okay. Here's your first question. You ready? I'm ready. All right. How much can one elephant tooth weigh? 
What? <laughs> it's a legit question. I mean, here's the deal. Like, if you run into an elephant and you need to know, like, if he falls over and you have to help pick him up, at least, you know, you got to calculate weight. Let's start 20 with 20 pounds? Lower. 10 pounds? Think about it. They'd constantly walk with their mouths open if that was that 20 pounds. Nine pounds. Nine. Yeah. That's still a lot, though. Imagine. That's a lot. Because how many teeth do they have? I should have looked up how many teeth they have. Nine pounds. I'll have to find that out. On average, how many spiders are there per acre in green acres? Well, you know what? This is going to freak me out. Mm -hmm. I know. I don't like spiders either. But they eat mosquitoes. So how many? How many? On average, how many spiders are there per acre in green acres? areas oh no it's going to be some horrific number mm-hmm. which means i'm not going to want to walk there <laughs> this is not good Can't i give don't me know a, like a anything. ten thousand fifty thousand oh my god yeah, just be careful fifty thousand spiders but it could be the really acre. little you see those tiny tiny ones that don't even look okay, like the spiders tiny, tiny ones are fine but yeah, just, yeah. they may god. not be the big ones mm-hmm. oh, okay we'll change the subject here on lions how many kills in the wild does a lion make each year? Hmm. <laughs> 24? <gasps> you were very close. No more than 20. Okay. But that's, well, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's like almost two a month. Yes, yeah, so I'm sort of, I was kind yeah. of banking on around two a month. That was really good. Now, here's the next question. The female lion does what percent of the hunting? Oh, or the whole thing, isn't it? Very close. 90%. Yeah. So what's course. the male good for? Just Seriously. breeding. Because then they have to take care of the cubs, but then they also have to get the food while the male yeah, sits around. It's yeah, like, protection, I guess. And, you know, being the delivery system for sperm. It's just like human boys. Isn't it? <laughs> in Alaska, it is illegal to whisper in someone's ear while they're doing this. Oh, Wait, no, no. no think about this. this. is an animal quiz. Keep your mind there. It is illegal to whisper. In Alaska, in someone's ear while they're doing this. Are they doing something with an animal? Fishing? No. No, okay, wait a second. Hunting? Yeah, what kind of hunting? Oh. It's Alaska. Bear, wolf, deer, bison. What? Why? Moose. Moose. Moose hunting. Oh, God. It's good to know. If you're ever in Alaska, do not whisper in someone's ear. Why? Ask what they're doing first. All right, since you love spiders, this one freaked me out. How long can a tarantula go without food? Oh, my God. <laughs> I wish I had a camera on your face. Oh, God. That it's was so perfect. I just... I, got, I have held a tarantula, actually. I've I like them. They're actually furry. They're fine. Well, they are not. If they're more like animals than they are bugs. They're freaking gross. Really? Their little eyes freak me out. But how long can they go without food? Which is really remarkable because I could never make it as a tarantula. Mm. A month? Two years. No. I know. Can you imagine? Two years? I don't know. Two years? Oh, my God. Who knew? All right. Here's something. Um, Cows can sleep standing up, but they can only do what lying down? Again, this is a family show. They can only do what lying down? Um, um, And I have a question how they know this, but I'm going with... Doing what lying down? I read it on the interwebs. It must be true. Yeah, of course. Um... And they can sleep standing up, but they can only do this while lying down. They're chewing cud. They can chew cud when they're standing up. Sleep. It's something to do with sleep. Yeah, no, that's what I'm thinking. What do you do when you sleep? What do you mean, what do I do when I sleep? Dream. Yes. Really? But I want to know, how do they know that? (laughs) 
<laughs> maybe are they looking at eye movement? Or rims? maybe they're doing some kind of, they put electrodes on them. But yeah, cows can sleep standing up, but they can only dream when they're lying well, down. wouldn't you know that? This is a brilliant, this is, this Isn't is great. It's going to be somebody got for my paid, New Year's quiz. Oh, there you go. Somebody got paid a lot of money they to did. study that. You know what I mean? Like, don't worry about solving hunger. But, okay, which creature can only eat when its head is upside down? I don't know how they do this without choking, but I guess I can see. Is it those lemurs or something that that hang upside down? Bats. Mm -mm. Bats. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. They hang upside down. They do, but they don't eat upside down. ostriches. You're getting closer because of the makeup of the animal. It's a bird. Mm -hmm. A flamingo. Yes. There you go, of course, because then they put their, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, I'm not not so bad. <laughs> what is a group of owls called? This is an homage to you and your a victory. No, but that, that's a good answer. It's close. It's homage to you and your roots. Oh, Brit, um, in, in, Brit, Brit, what? A parliament. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. A parliament of owls? Mm-hmm. Yes. Because they're wise, so it makes sense. There Maybe you they. Go. I don't know if they got one from the other or which one. But. Okay. All right, one more okay. question, all right? Okay. During World War II, what did Americans try to train to drop bombs? Um, dolphins. Nope. To nope, drop no. bombs. Drop bombs. Birds. Nope. Drop bombs. <laughs> I keep giving her a look, <laughs> and every time I give her a look, drop nope. Drop bombs? Nope. It's not birds? Eagles? Mm. Is it a bird? Something flying? It's something flying, but it would not be a bird. Oh, uh, what else flies? <laughs> a bat? Yes. Uh, are you kidding? Yeah, in World War Two, Americans tried to train bats to drop bombs. Well, they say tried. I don't think it worked for but obvious how, but reasons. How can the little bat pick up a? I mean, small. Well, bombs. there's some bigger bats, right? I guess. Oh, I, I would not want to be on that training program. I would run a mile. <laughs> I would run in the other direction so fast. A big bat? Oh, no. There's, there's things <laughs> oh, I can't... I like bats. No. Really? What? Oh, I love bats. They're Freak so cool looking. Freak me out with little mouse faces really? in the oh. No. oh, my God. They're so cool looking. If you look at their eyes, they're cute. They're oh. supposed to be good luck oh, or something. Oh, okay. Like, that just made me shiver. There we go. Well, on that note, then, I'm just going to leave it right there. <laughs> See you next time. Thanks for tuning in to Victoria Stilwell's Positively Podcast. For more information, visit Positively.com. Get connected on Facebook and YouTube as Victoria Stillwell or follow her on Twitter at Victoria S. This season of the Positively Podcast is brought to you by Adaptil. Best behavior starts with Adaptil. Go to Adaptil.com to learn more. Be sure to tune in next time as Victoria helps to change dogs' lives. Positively. Let's Talk Pets. Every week, on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.